Hi, I'm Jen White, and this is Reset. Eddie Johnson has officially retired, effective immediately. It has become clear that Mr. Johnson engaged in a series of actions that are intolerable for any leader in a position of trust, particularly the head of the Chicago Police Department. A federal judge set the trial date for Tom Cullerton. A strong supporter of Illinois Democratic Party boss Michael Madigan recently lost his lobbying job for Commonwealth Edison. I didn't want to let Marty Quinn down or Speaker Madigan down, and I didn't want Kevin to tell them that I wasn't cooperating with what I was supposed to be doing for work. And those are just some of the big stories we're covering this week on our Friday News Roundup. With me is Amanda Vinicky of WTTW, A.D. Quigg of Crane Chicago Business, and WBEZ's Patrick Smith. Now, Patrick, start us off with that big story of the firing of Eddie Johnson on Monday. Yeah, well, she said that she learned that Eddie Johnson lied to her about what happened uh, the night of October 16th into the morning, early morning hours of October 17th when Eddie Johnson was found asleep in his car by officers. Uh, he told the public that he was drowsy because of a mix-up with his medication. Lightfoot said he told her he had a few drinks with dinner, but then at that Monday press conference she said, based on things she had learned from the inspector, the ongoing Inspector General's investigation, what he had said to her and to the public was fundamentally different than what the facts showed. And here's a little of, the, of what the mayor had to say about her decision. Eddie Johnson engaged in conduct that is not only unbecoming, but demonstrated a series of ethical lapses and flawed decision-making that is inconsistent with having the privilege of leading the Chicago Police Department. And Patrick, since then, more information has emerged about Johnson, including about an alleged relationship he had with another officer. Right. We know that he was out uh, with an officer who was on his security detail that night. The Sun-Times has reported that the two were seen repeatedly kissing each other. You know, Johnson and this officer are both married. Johnson's actually married to a different Chicago police officer. What I've learned is that After that happened, a few weeks after early November, Johnson transferred her out of the security detail to another another unit that's within CPD headquarters. He's actually the one who moved this officer into his detail in 2016, and then he moved her out shortly after this scandal was starting to sort of expand. We don't know if if this is linked to the scandal necessarily, but but there's certainly some questions raised by the timing of that and the fact that he's using his power to move her around. Well, A.D. and Amanda, I want to hear how city officials and and other folks you talk to on the politics beat, how they're responding to Johnson's firing. A.D.? Alderman basically sided with the mayor that, you know, it is within her discretion to fire um, an at-will employee. She was the one. She has power to basically hire and fire all these top leadership folks. And they're like, if you lie... To the mayor, you should be allowed. You should be fired. Essentially, um, pretty supportive. There are a lot of people anxious to see what's in this inspector general's report. Uh, Alderman Raymond Lopez said, given the seriousness of the allegations, it would be helpful for aldermen and the public to know exactly what went on. But we might not get to see that IG report until the new year. Amanda, what about you? I think that's really what was just. All of this was so stunning. Quite a shocker. As the mayor herself pointed out at that press conference Monday, she had stood alongside Superintendent Johnson at his send-off, publicly lauding him. And then to have this sort of public fall from grace, we learned she had actually viewed the Inspector General report on Friday. And then it wasn't until Monday that she let 
go, and this was, of course, over the Thanksgiving weekend, but she had seemed really raw. People are like, did she just learn this? Did yeah. she just, what, what shaking, went on here? Shaking she, she was shaking. She was still very angry. Again, we don't know what went on behind closed doors other than she said that Johnson accepted the decision after a relatively short conversation, apparently. But I mean, it was all just so very shocking. And I, I think that that is still resonating as we're waiting for the fallout. There's been some reporting. Patrick, for example, that has shed light on what went on, but do we know yet the full scale? And for our time there, we hadn't heard really much from Johnson. We still haven't gotten a full, his full version of the story, other than he his saying that he had a really a lapse in judgment and that he also does, again, accept the mayor's decision. Right, but he denied lying to the mayor. Denied lying. Mm-hmm. Well, Patrick, I'm curious if the buck sort of stops with Eddie Johnson or if officers who responded to the scene could face some disciplinary action. He wasn't given a field sobriety test. He was just sort of let, hey, go along your way. Thanks for, you know, stopping. That was it. So could we see some other fallout from this? Yeah, I mean, it's been reported that other officers are being investigated by the inspector general for a potential cover-up. I believe it was FOP President Kevin Graham who said to Fran Spielman that uh, he knows at least some of the officers involved called their supervisor the night that they encountered Eddie Johnson. It's still not clear if anybody else is going to be affected by this. I, certainly the IG, based on other investigations, you know, they expand. They, they go wide. It's not like they're going to stay focused on one person. That doesn't mean that anyone else did anything wrong, but they're certainly going to look at anybody else who touched who touched this incident. And it's frustrating in a way that we're not going to see this report for a while. I mean, I was if, shocked. If we see if it. We, I mean, there has been it. sort of loose guarantees recently from the mayor, although we didn't get that initially. It is unclear as to under what authority this would be released under a new ordinance that does give the inspector general more leeway along those lines. But I think, I mean, everybody wants to see it and it is going to be in the mayor's best interest, presumably for it to be made public. And there's a, there's a BJA lawsuit to, to release the contents of the video. There's supposed to be dash cam video from the night that officers approach Johnson, there should be body cam video. And then there's also video of the inside of this bar and the interaction that he had with this woman. And this mm-hmm. will be an interesting uh, test for Lightfoot in terms of transparency, but also just our interim superintendent, Charlie Beck, about how he handles the discipline for these other officers that they were involved in a cover-up. Right, because now that Eddie Johnson is out, he, former Los Angeles Police Chief Charlie Beck is in charge. And I'm curious, Patrick, about what this means for the consent decree. Uh, we know CPD has already meant, missed uh, a number of benchmarks uh, for that decree. This is something that's overseen by a federal judge, but so far it doesn't sound like it's been going well, and now you have new leadership. An abrupt change of leadership. I'll say that I was speaking to a number of police officers and officials who work in the sort of consent decree to compliance office at CPD um, when Johnson's retirement was announced, but before this termination, and they said they didn't think it was going to affect their work, that basically they have their marching orders and and the change in the leadership is not going to slow them down at all. The question is whether or not Charlie Beck is interim. We don't know how long he'll be in that role, whether or not he can speed things along. As you mentioned, they missed a lot of deadlines in the first six months of the consent decree. He has experience uh, operating under a consent decree and, and actually ending a consent decree with LAPD. You know, he's got a lot on his plate, but we'll see if, if how much consent decree compliance he's focusing on during his, his time at CPD. Well, speaking of Charlie Beck, Patrick, what did we see from him in these early days of his arrival in Chicago? Right. So, you know, the the termination was announced on Monday. He was on a plane to Chicago on Monday. Uh, he was at a press conference on Tuesday, uh, you know, talking about a a uh, scheme to get 
people who were selling guns on Facebook, which obviously he wasn't a part of because he wasn't in charge at the time, but he was at that press conference. And there he talked about uh, changes coming to CPD leadership. He said expect, he expected a lot of top-level people to retire. I don't know how you would know that a lot of them were going to retire unless you were planning to go tell people they needed to retire, or maybe they had all put in their slips already. He's already um, bumped one commander down, uh, demoted him for well, we don't know why. He, this is a commander who was involved in a scandal before Charlie Beck was here where he was having officers babysit his son. And then the IG said that he he lied to them about this. Um, he was not punished for that or at least not demoted for that. And then Charlie Beck came in and, and immediately demoted this commander. Well, A.D., Beck and Mayor Lightfoot clarified this week where residents can use marijuana. Really quickly, what's the latest there? So there was some confusion this week about whether people would be allowed to smoke recreational marijuana in their backyards or on their balconies. Um, the Sun-Times reported that they that people could be ticketed by the Chicago Police Department if they were seen doing that. Uh, Mayor Lightfoot and Charlie Beck put out a statement this week saying that's not something we're going to prioritize ticketing. Um, we want to bring as much equity and justice into the new recreational marijuana program as possible. So don't worry about police coming after you if you're you're smoking in the privacy of your own yard. Mm. Well, sticking with city politics, Chicago aldermen and the Ethics Committee approved legislation this week that bans them from lobbying state and local government. What are the details, Amanda? I think this is one where it's sort of a stunner that, again, where that even is a thing, that you have (laughs) elected officials lobbying other governmental entities. And that is something that is still allowable on the state level, on the county level. The city now making is taking steps to ban that, at least in Chicago. But this is something that uh, um, goes on and I think is sort of what gives people, again, that why is there corruption in Chicago and Illinois? Well, Well, this is very much one of the reasons that people could point to. And the prime example of that is, of course, former state representative Luis Arroyo, who is charged with bribery. And he allegedly was, you know, he's a state rep and introducing legislation, working on bills having to do with a private lobbying client. A.D., what's next with this reform? Probably a lot. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Basically, we have a scandal and then we have a response to the scandal that you know, we find out the executive director of the city's ethics board said there are six officials that are elected officials in other places that lobby the city of Chicago. And there were uh, a few aldermen who were registered lobbyists. Former alderman uh, Mike Seleski was a registered lobbyist. Uh, there are some with consulting firms. Uh, there are spouses, uh, children that are involved. So I could, I, I'm basically expecting there to be another series of scandals as we find out exactly what the FBI is looking into and corresponding legislation to to address some of it. Michelle Smith is the head of a new ethics committee that Lori Lightfoot uh, put together, and I think she's eager to, to address a lot of these things. Yesterday morning in the Chicago Tribune, we learned that federal investigators have asked questions about Illinois House Speaker Michael Madigan as part of an ongoing investigation. Amanda, what's the latest on Madigan and his connection to ComEd? It was a revelation that people actually admitted to it, though we don't have the names or even the positions of these individuals who are close enough to Madigan that investigators have their eyes on them or at least wanted to hear what they had to say. But um, it has been very apparent for some time that investigators are very interested in what exactly Michael Madigan is up to, what his close confidants are up to, whether they get business because of him. So 
we have not yet seen, I think, the full scope of what the feds are looking for. It seems like every day there's another rumor. More indictments today. And Mm -hmm. everybody be on the lookout. And so reporters kind of on pins and needles, presumably legislators and other elected officials, even more so, waiting for the next, um, I was going to say shoe to drop, but it's more like the the next. It's like a whole um, closet. Yeah, the the next shoe rack. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So that is the last we really have from Madigan was in October when he briefly spoke to reporters in Springfield and said that he's not the target of anything. Hmm. Well, A.D., Madigan is the longest serving House Speaker in modern American history. He's the chair of the Illinois Democratic Party. Has any of this impacted his power or his clout in Springfield? A little. Yeah. I mean, you know, I've been asking people if you had to make a power ranking of like, J.B., Lori, Madigan, Cullerton, Preckwinkle, a lot of people still put Madigan at number one. Mm-hmm. He's still responsible for helping a lot of people get their positions. He's going to be big in this upcoming election. He's going to be big in this presidential election as presidential candidates come to, to Illinois, major fundraiser. The key to passing a lot of legislation, a lot of people said because Madigan was not involved in this casino legislation, it didn't get done because a lot of Springfield doesn't know how to run without him. Um, He's still the chairman of the Democratic Party right. of Illinois. Right. Mm-hmm. So... The figurehead, right. public. Yes, things are swirling. Yes, people are nervous. But he is still that person. He's still in that role. He is still denied being the target. But I've been talking to folks who say this is like pulling at the thread of a sweater and it's it's falling apart. Well, I wonder, too, what this means for how business is running in Springfield as a whole when there's this much uncertainty and questions about who's being investigated and for what. I mean, are things running the way they they need to in Springfield? Are people kind of hesitant, you know? Well, at this point in time, it's somewhat easier because Springfield lawmakers aren't in session. Mm -hmm. There there isn't going to be any sort of session until the new year. And even then, it's a fairly light calendar, particularly as legislators will be focused on that next election. So um, there's going to be that. They're still going to have to pass a budget. Madigan is still going to carry out his duties. Um, I, I think speaking to your earlier question, you have had some people speak out, uh, in particular, State Senator Iris Martinez. Granted, she is trying to make a name for herself. She runs for election. She's trying to be Cook County clerk. But um, she spoke out. It's not as if you had her with a resounding chorus of other women legislators. You might hear some people talk. Some people are more bothered by Madigan, always have been. And what did she say specifically for context? She said that she she wanted some answers in terms of what went on to one of these close confidants, a lobbyist who we know had his home raided by the FBI. Was this comment lobbyist? His name is Mike McLean. After a series of emails were made public um, in through reporting, including McLean asking the most trusted of the trusted, these lobbyists that are close to Madigan. Madigan, by the way, saying he had nothing to do with this, but his fingerprints are at least those close to him trying to send money to the brother of Alderman Marty Quinn after this brother, Kevin Quinn, had been ousted from his positions with the Democratic Party and with the state for having sexually harassed. We just saw this week a settlement, Elena Hampton, a um, campaign worker with the Madigan organization. Well, so speak- it's complicated. She said, answer more, Madigan, otherwise step down. Well, Guess spe- what? He didn't step down. Speaking <laughs> of Elena Hampton, um, we spoke with her earlier this week on the show, and here's what she had to say about what she went through. She's the political consultant who says she was sexually harassed by one of Madigan's top aides, Kevin Quinn. 
no matter how many times I would tell him I didn't want to date him, he would still ask me out over and over and over again. And if I wouldn't respond to him, he would text me about work. So it was his way of getting me to speak to him because he knew I would always respond about work. It was really like a a mind control type of thing. Um, It was really manipulative. Adie, how is the culture in Springfield when it comes to sexual harassment right now? Are we seeing any shift? We've seen some legislative shifts, some oversight shifts, but there are a lot of women legislators who say there's a lot more that needs to be done to really shift the culture down there. Culture shift takes a long time and a lot of investment. And these women would say women in power who are running things, which is part of the reason we see uh, such a push for a woman to be the next president of the Illinois Senate. Like the ethics changes at the city, it's going to take time and it's going to be prompted by most of the time, scandals. Um, We do have a new state law that is coming into effect January 1st about uh, requiring sexual harassment training for all employers across the state. I'll be interested to see what legislators do at the state level to address some of these tricky areas where maybe you're not directly working for a legislator, but you're a lobbyist who is harassed or you're a constituent who is harassed or you're a contract lobbyist working for another lobbying firm and you're harassed by a fellow lobbyist. It takes time, and it's it's still top of mind, I know, for a lot of legislators and, and lobbyists down there. And I don't mean to, to move past the much more important fact of, of women being mistreated at work and, and stopping that behavior uh, to, to go to politics. But I'll say that settlement, uh, it seemed – you guys would know better than I would. It seems like a win for Madigan. It, it was a pretty quietly settled – it was settled on the Friday after Thanksgiving. It's about $275,000, and the political organizations under Madigan did not admit wrongdoing as part of that settlement. Man, this is a big thing hanging over his head, and it, you know – Friday after Thanksgiving is a time that things get released if you don't want people to pay attention. I could be reading that wrong. That seemed like a victory for Madigan. Amanda, you wanted to jump in here. I was just going to address Patrick's point. I mean, I, I think in in a sense, yes, anything is kind of hidden. People are tuning out when they're worrying instead about turkey. But I, it, nonetheless, very much this entire episode has been a drag on Madigan. It sort of devolved from the Elena Hampton comments into more talk of sexual harassment. Now all of this sense of corruption, looming indictments or investigations. And so I think to a degree, this, the settlement buried, it, it's clear they didn't admit fault. You see that in a lot of settlements. If anybody has read She Said, you learn about how sort of things are covered up. But this is now out there in the public. Everybody knows, and it is hurting. Right, and this incident is the thing that set off us knowing about Kevin Quinn getting sent checks by Comet. So it's it's all kind of coming together. Well, we also learned this week that a trial date has been set for Democratic State Senator Tom Cullerton. He was charged with embezzling from the Teamsters. Adie, just quickly remind us more about the charges he's facing. A a series of, it's like 40-something charges related to checks he received from the Teamsters for, uh, he was paid a salary and also health benefits for doing little or no work while also he was a state senator. Uh, the trial is July 21st. Um, there, there's some things that could change in the meantime. Mm. He's pled not guilty, by the way. Right. Not guilty and says John Coley, the Teamsters boss, uh, essentially set him up for these charges. Coley had a plea deal uh, related to an extortion case at a uh, cinema company on the west side. Well, he is still a state senator. He represents parts of the western suburbs. But he's, as you all mentioned, he's not the only local lawmaker caught up in federal probes recently. Um, State Senator Martin Sandoval announced his resignation last week. That's effective January 1st. Uh, Former state representative Luis Arroyo resigned last month after federal authorities charged him with bribery. I mean, just what does this say about the state of politics 
and ethics reform in government and where that stands. Amanda? Uh, there was a big push for ethics following really Rod Blagojevich was the last time this got major traction. And since then, I mean, I can't tell you the number of stories that I've done on, for example, uh, the calls for a more detailed economic interest statement. Guess what? That never happened. It still hasn't happened. It was talked about. A big push. We're going to do this during veto session. Didn't happen. It's almost as if until absolutely forced through public resentment, frustration, legislators are not going to give up any of the leeway that they have. Again, there are some good, hardworking, quote unquote, public servants, legislators who are trying to do their best. But certainly it um, gives a sense of a culture where people are skirting the rules, breaking the law. And in cases, they, they, they don't even have to do that because the laws are in their favor. Well, as we wrap up here, I just want to quickly ask what you'll be following in the coming days, Patrick. Well, next week, the police board is holding a series of public meetings to ask uh, what they what people want to see in the next superintendent. I, I'm, I'm curious to see what people say. Amanda, what about you? More follow-up from Eddie Johnson and also WTTW. We just put out this pot guide, so I've kind of become um, – cannabis has become my beat, so I'll be following that. <laughs> AD, what about you? I don't even know what's happening next week, but I'm going to go see Home Alone at the Chicago Symphony Orchestra tonight, and I'm so excited. I'm excited for you. All right. Well, that's it for the Friday News Roundup. Our panel today was WVEZ's Patrick Smith, WTTW's Amanda Vinicky, and AD Quick, who has big movie plans from Crane Chicago <laughs> Business. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. That's Reset for this Friday. Watch out for a new Reset in your feed on Sunday morning. It's the latest conversation in our Closing the Gap series. I'm Jen White. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend. And let's talk again soon.